This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. I'm Ben Flanagan. At the end of that interview, he was coughing very badly. And I had people that were sending in comments and they were almost joking like, well, I hope he doesn't have coronavirus. And he had gotten to where he couldn't even catch his breath towards the end of our conversation. And then a couple of days later, he finds out he was COVID positive. I was amazed by the efforts that schools undertook to feed children. I shot a picture immediately, and I talked to her for a minute, and she told me, she said, yeah, we're open. She said, we have no business. She said, people are actually afraid to be in here. We've hit the one-year mark of the COVID-19 pandemic reaching Alabama. The state has had more than 500,000 cases and more than 10,000 deaths. And as of this week, more than 1 million COVID vaccines have been administered. Now that we're a year into this, I wanted to reflect on the pandemic through the eyes of my colleagues at AL.com, some of the best journalists in the world who have dedicated a calendar year to getting vital information about the virus and our response to the public. For 365 days, I've seen firsthand the relentless dedication to telling the story of the pandemic from every possible angle, from our reporters and editors. And like everyone else in the world, they've made tremendous sacrifices to document this crisis, some of them even contracting the virus themselves. I want you to hear from them, many of whom you've already heard on this show since last April. I spoke to 13 journalists who covered COVID for the last year, whether it's data, healthcare, education, crime, sports, opinion, photography, or human interest. Their work runs the gamut, and now they can reflect on their greatest challenges, the stories they'll remember forever, and how they've changed since last spring. This is called Covering COVID. Episode 3, The Stories We'll Remember. I asked each journalist about which stories they'll always remember, whether it was something that they wrote or shot, a piece that they read, something or someone from our COVID coverage in Alabama the last year that they will never forget. My name is Ivana Harinkiu. I have spent the last year doing a daily Facebook live show. I have a, several, but I, I'll I'll tell you two. And one is the, I think it was the first show I did on the first week where everybody went home. And that was with Dr. Michael Sag, who I know you have spoken with, Ben. And I think a lot of people in Alabama have really come to recognize that as a household name, as they should. And he has been so important to our state of getting information out, keeping information flowing, and being the voice of science in Alabama, not a national level, but a local person we can look to. And I remember the first day of my show when I talked to him, at the end of that interview, he was coughing very badly. So that could happen. But stay busy. (coughs) Excuse me. I had people that were sending in comments and they were almost joking like, well, I hope he doesn't have coronavirus. And he had gotten to where he couldn't even catch his breath towards the end of our conversation. And then a couple of days later, he finds out he was COVID positive. So he was giving us all this information that he was first getting about COVID and coughing on the show only later to find out he had COVID. So that one is going to stick with me. And Another story that will stick with me was a a gentleman in North Alabama whose family, his wife and and child were overseas 
in a form of immigration. They were dealing with some adoption immigration issues overseas, and they were trying to evacuate that country and trying to get home. And he could not get his family home. And he was so worried because he said, look, America is one of the most developed countries in the world. If we're about to have as hard of a time with coronavirus as we are expecting, then the country that these the family was in, he said, there's no way they're going to be able to handle this. And he was just frantic calling local and national politicians and leaders and trying to advocate to get his family home. And he he didn't really have any luck at that point, but he was so concerned. And, and that sticks with me. And I often wonder if if that worked out positively and, and if he got his family home. But at the time, just that panic in his voice and that panic on his face was just something that, that's hard to forget. My name is Tricia Crane, and I have covered K-12 education in Alabama over the past year during the pandemic. The thing that immediately comes to mind is when schools shut down last year, how were children going to be fed? And when so many children rely on schools to, you know, for hot meals, not just lunch, but also breakfast. So I was amazed by the efforts that schools undertook to feed children, um, whether that meant, um, you know, working all hours of the night to pack food for a week, whether that meant lining up uh, in hot parking lots to hand out food. You know, the food issue was big for everyone, but particularly so for children. You know, how, if, if some people used buses to deliver meals, I mean, it was just, um, you know, talk about back to basics. My name is Joe Sauger. I've worked at BirminghamNewsNail.com for 35 years. This one gets me because I was as anxious as the people in Florida. It was in March. I can't remember the date. We were down at the very first testing site that opened. Maybe in Alabama, and it was down off the, maybe it was Acton Road. It was one place, I can't remember the name, we'll have to look it up. There was one place that was giving tests, and it was pretty orderly. But there were lines for almost a mile to get tested. And it was, I remember it was cold, it was spitting rain, and I pulled up, and I'm thinking, I see all these people in blue, hazmat suits and goggles, shields, gloves. You know, they look like astronauts, really. So I get out the longest lens I had, and I start shooting pictures. And it was a picture of three people, two under a tent, and one walking with a swab in her hand to a car. And they were, she was walking right at me. Now, now, I'm across the street because I'm as anxious about this whole setup as anybody else because this is the first time I've ever covered testing. And nobody, you know, we didn't know what was going on. These people didn't know what was going on. And she's walking with this slob about to walk up to a car. And there's a little series of photographs there. But that one photo, 
walking straight at me, just has always stuck out in my mind. And we've used it countless times. The other one, this is on a different level. I was down at Five Point South, and all the businesses were closed. And I remember, it must have been in April, the Waffle House at Five Points South opened up. And nobody, were, everyone was afraid to go there. And there was a, a waitress sitting outside on a chair that she had brought outside at the entrance. And the look on her face was, I'm back to work, but I'm not making anything because people are afraid to come in here. I shot a picture immediately, and then I talked to her for a minute, and she told me, she said, yeah, we're open. She said, we have no business. She said, people are actually afraid to be in here. And the picture was so poignant. If you go and look, look back and look at it, it really was one that had a, there was a lot of despair. There was hope, but there was despair at the same time. I'm J.D. Crow. I'm editorial cartoonist for Alabama Media Group and AL.com. One that jumps out for me right now is is uh, I did a, I, I call it a COVID triptych, the angel of mercy uh, triptych of three images of uh, ICU nurses helping uh, COVID patients either to the other side or, or be the only person there uh, while they were dying and so forth. The way that one started, I mean, I had a friend who texted me late at night and it would just start, start words i'll just read those to you and he didn't he didn't he didn't preface it with anything he just sent me this text it said a single nurse beside the bed of a dying covid patient the nurses have become angels of mercy family members do not get to come in doctors are too busy a strange nurse becomes one soulmate to leave for the other side 22 year old rns right out of school because their survival rate is much greater to exposure than more experienced nurses COVID RNs are going to be our next PTSD victims. So I get this text late at night and he, that's all it was. He didn't preface it with anything else. And of course I went to bed and, and I, I just started in the morning. I, I, I wondered if it was a text or a dream because I had these images um, uh, all during the night. And uh, so I wrote that in my, when I, when I actually drew the images, when I produced these images, um, of the COVID nurse, the angel of mercy. I, I, in my post, I said, I had a dream or maybe it was a text from a friend, but it went something like this. And then I, I included three, uh, three drawings, uh, the angel of mercy, uh, the soulmate and the crossing guard of these uh, young nurses helping, helping their victims, helping the, the, the victims of COVID isolated in the ICU. Now the background of that is, uh, uh, our family friend, my daughter's, a girl my daughter's age, they're friends, they, she grew up right down the street with my daughter. She had just been sent uh, to, she was a, she just graduated from Auburn as a, as a ICU travel nurse. And she had just gotten her first job. Her first assignment was in New York City at the most, one of the most overwhelmed hospitals. Uh, they had the trailers outside with the bodies. Um, and that's what she went into in her first job. So. Um, I was already already thinking about this girl, and, and she was brave, and, and it, she's really cool, and, and uh, it didn't seem to bother her a bit. She felt like she was doing her job, and she was excited to, to get out there on the front line, just like a just like a, a 
a warrior would have been done would have done so that one kind of came together for me i i uh, um i think the images turned out pretty well Roy S. Johnson, I am a columnist at the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. There are so many. I, I hope we come out of this as a state, as people who are a bit more empathetic. Coronavirus was not, um, and while it certainly had a disproportionate effect on African Americans, it was pretty agnostic. It, it didn't move away from anyone. So I think we, it was a shared experience that hope will make us better to have more empathy, to have more heart than hate, because we all were affected by it in some way or another. The things that stand out for me are the people who survived it and who were willing to share their stories, the people who lost and were willing to share their grief, and the scientists, the people who dove deep into studying the virus and who took the time to try to explain it, to address the trepidation in the African-American community, which was justified going back to the Tuskegee study in which uh, African-American men were given syphilis against their knowledge and, and left untreated for it. So there's generational skepticism that I hope can be broken, that I hope we as African-Americans at least develop enough of a trust in the system to start going to the doctor more, to start doing things that will uh, prevent us from being affected uh, disproportionately by almost anything and everything, whether it's cardiovascular issues uh, or something like a coronavirus. So, you know, as we went through this as a nation, as we went through it globally, as we go through it as just individuals who know each other, you know, as we start to come out of it, as we get vaccinated, as we're approaching the, the time when we can, we can hug again, we can gather again, Let's not find ourselves back here because we didn't come out of it better than we were before. Next time on Covering COVID. A year ago, to be real honest, when our boss told us we were going to have to go home and work from home for a couple of weeks, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why? We don't we don't need to do that because I just don't think any of us knew the depth of which this would attack the community. Thanks to my colleagues who took the time to reflect on the last year, as well as those from whom you didn't hear. Thank you for the amazing work that you continue to do to keep us informed on a crisis the scope of which none of us saw coming, and whose complexities we would never have fully understood without the tireless work that you put into it every day. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com for all of our coverage on COVID-19 and how it continues to impact Alabama visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.